your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on this best of edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we've got marquees, priority signings, draftees and free agents as we highlight some of the interviews we've conducted over the last two years on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to this best of edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. The one of a couple of best ofs that we'll be putting out over the summer months to get you all revved up for the AFLW season beginning in February 2017. Now this best of edition we are looking at some interviews that we've conducted throughout 2015 and 2016. Uh, We'll have one per club. We'll have Katie Brennan from the Western Bulldogs, Maddie Collier from the GWS Giants, Ebony Rose Antonio from the Fremantle Dockers, Jenna McCormick from the Adelaide Crows, Kate Sheerlaw from the Carlton Blues, Melissa Hickey from the Melbourne Demons, Sabrina Frederick Traub from the Brisbane Lions, and then finally Lou Watton from the Collingwood Magpies. Let's kick off this best of edition with literally the very first interview we ever conducted for the girlsplayfooty.com podcast that, uh, if I'm correct, premiered back in February 2015. It was with Darabin centre-half forward, now Western Bulldogs marquee player, Katie Brennan. Here's a small snippet of that interview and first of all we asked Katie about that big move. She was originally a Queenslander and then she relocated to Victoria. It's been a massive move for me um, and one that I'm so glad that I did. Um, Queensland football was great and um, it gave me you know it took me to the level that I was at um, at the stage but I, I think I just wanted a little bit extra and just some personal development as well as you know football development so um, taking like all credit to Queensland I had a great um, or an, a great upbringing there and um, my first you know my first 10 years of footy were awesome there um, but to move into state it's just been incredible and I guess um, my first year I was coach um, under Pete Searle and um, I learned a lot from her and um, to go to Darabin as well, I've just I've learnt so much from Darabin. It's just I feel like it's developed my football a lot, um, and also I've just developed as a person. So I think on the whole, um, the move has been very positive for me, and I'm absolutely loving it in Victoria. And I think I'll um, I'll be staying for a while. So. And of course, uh, with that, you've been able to set up your business as well, which I believe is not too far away from uh, Darabin's headquarters itself. No, it's not. It's just down the road, actually, which is, um, yeah, it's pretty handy. So, yeah, it's um, it's kind of um, trying to be, you know, a part-time athlete and then trying to just make a lifestyle around that as well. So with um, personal training and strength and conditioning work, it's, it's very flexible. But it's more about just, I guess, making an impact. And um, I really want to... I guess make my mark on on a, on footy on women's footy and um, to be coaching some of the younger girls and and um, putting them through some of my elite programs and just teaching them um, what it takes to become elite and um, you know things like nutrition and recovery and those sort of things things that they don't often get from their club or from you know their coaches um, so to teach them that it's just it's really re- rewarding and I guess to see the growth of those younger girls is amazing as well so um, yeah the business is flying at the moment which is pretty exciting. I'm just about to go on holidays um, before the footy the footy season starts. So I'm off to Bali tonight, actually. So um, it'll be nice to get away for a little bit and then just come back nice and refreshed and, yeah, keep keep rolling. So As much as you have your own business, have you put out the feelers or begun to put out the feelers to state or AFL clubs to move into that area as a full-time employee, whether it be in nutrition or in strength and conditioning? Um, at this stage, I'm very happy just... Um, with my, I love being my own boss. So when I first moved, I worked for a gym, and that was great. Um, learning from um, the guy that I was working with, but I'm really happy just um, doing my own thing at the moment. I think I've just applied for uni um, and to go back and to finish my exercise science degree, which I did about three quarters of when I was in Queensland. So I've got about a year to go of that, um, and. So I'll have my, you know, exercise science degree behind me. So eventually I may want to move into um, elite sport, which is probably a passion of mine. But at this stage, I'm really quite happy working both with the public and, um, you know, with some elite athletes. So I think I'll just keep building the business at the moment and try and just build my brand, I think. So, yeah. 
Uh, just looking at your goal kicking for a moment, uh, in men's football we normally mark down the inside 50s. My co-commentator Daniel Hill in women's football likes to mark down the inside 30s as uh, most female footballers are more comfortable having a shot from about 30, 35 metres out from goal. But yourself, we've noticed on several occasions, you're more comfortable having a shot from 45 or 50 metres out from goal. Now, has that been a natural talent for you to be able to kick that far or is that something you've had to work on? I guess, um, I think the work came in the younger years, but I used to run around with a football for, you know, hours on end and I'd be the first at training and, you know, the last going home from training and I just used to work on my goal kicking and I think the main thing is just getting a routine down pat and just backing yourself behind the goal. I've always had a bit of a, a tip to, you know, whoever I coach or, you know, any of the athletes in my team just to pick a spot behind the goals and, and just kind of don't think about anything else but the goal, uh, but the, that spot behind the goals. Um, and then also just going through your routine and making sure that's the same every single time. And um, I guess, yeah, I feel comfortable kicking from a little bit further out. I feel a bit pressured when, you know, you're, you're five or ten metres out kicking for goal. But, um, yeah, I'd like to sometimes go for the longer kicks. But, again, I guess at Darabin, um, another thing that I've, um, learnt is that we really like to share the ball around so it doesn't really matter how how the ball gets through the goal it's just um yeah it's kind of it's whoever gets it there it's kind of a team effort so um yeah it's been really good to learn from them but yeah definitely hoping to um you know be a bit more comfortable around goal again this year and I've definitely been practicing over over the pre-season putting some hours in so yeah that's Katie Brennan, the marquee player of the Western Bulldogs. Now let's have a look at the GWS Giants and one of their priority signings, Maddie Collier, a young gun, an absolute star player from Nowra in uh, southern New South Wales. Uh, she was actually selected to play for the Western Bulldogs in 2015 and was meant to play in the first televised women's game, but unfortunately suffered a major injury during training. But she managed to come back. She was ready to go for season 2016 and uh, had many representative honours. And, of course, as we said, now a priority signing with the GWS Giants. And, of course, we started off by asking Maddie how it was uh, growing up uh, there on the south coast of New South Wales. Yeah, growing up in New is really good. Um, it's a small country town compared to um, the big leagues in the city. Um, didn't have any footy down there, so I had to play for Kayama when I was growing up. Um, but I always love getting back there. Uh, I'm not really used to the Sydney life just yet. I'm, I'm getting there, but I love getting home to now. It's a bit more relaxing. And, of course, they're trying to expand and develop AFL throughout New South Wales. Um, we know, of course, in, in Sydney there's pockets of supporters. What's it like out of Sydney on the Shoalhaven Coast area? Is Aussie rules breaking through there? Yeah, it is. Um, my, my pop actually um, started up AFL on the South Coast when he moved over from WA a little while ago. Um, so it's quite strong um, in my family. However, I, I've gone down recently to do a couple of youth girls' visits, um, and they're starting to get some strong numbers at Auskick, which is really good, and they're hoping to get um, a couple of girls' teams up and running. So it's really good to see that from a grassroots level, that it's um, expanding down there. Uh, for you personally, when did you make the move to Sydney? Uh, in 2013, um, at the end, uh, I moved up because I had a job up here in the AFL, um, and yeah, I've been up here ever since. And, of course, uh, you moved up there, as you said, took up a, a, a role in game development there with the AFL. And also you played for the Stingrays. Uh, who got you across to play for the Stingrays? Um, I was sort of tossing up between a few different teams in the Sydney League. I wasn't really sure. I think I ended up going to the Stingrays because the training ground is five minutes from my house, so that's pretty handy. Um, but a girl named Courtney Gum, um, she used to be an absolute weapon um, in the Sydney League and um, was has been drafted a couple of times. Um, she she was sort of the convincing factor that got me over to Stingrays, I think. And in the end, you end up pulling on the Stingrays jumper. As you said, this is, uh, you know, for the first time really taking you on and playing women's football. How did you find the standard first to start with in your first couple of games? Uh, and the standard was a lot better. I um, Jumping from youth girls to women's, it's just they're bigger bodies and it's a little bit, you got to think a little bit harder, you know, move a bit quicker. Um, so I think the standard was... It was a bit of a shock, but I was up for it. I was, I'm always keen for a challenge, and I think um, if there's like any youth girls looking to make the le- uh, the jump from uh, youth girls to women's, don't be afraid of it. I think see it as a challenge and sort of step up to it because it's a lot of fun, and you end up improving your footy. And, of course, you went about applying your trade for the Stingrays, and then all of a sudden the draft came along in uh, 2015, and lo and behold, you were picked out to play for the Bulldogs. What was that moment like? 
That was insane. It was it was a podcast, so I was picked up in the second draft, um, and I was at, I was at work, and obviously I worked in the AFL, and everyone was all across it. But I had just come back from a program, and I walked into the office, and everyone was congratulating me, and I was sort of, you know, what's going on? Like I've got no idea, and they're like, "Haven't you heard?" And they're like, "You've been picked number nine in the draft," and I was like, "Show me!" Like I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I had to double check the computer screen and. Make sure everyone wasn't telling me lies, but it was, I was absolutely ecstatic. I rang my mum straight away. I couldn't believe it when I was on the phone to her. She couldn't believe it either. We were both just absolutely over the moon. Now, before the moment that bad luck hit, what was it like when you were obviously flying down to Victoria and being in that program training with the Bulldogs? Oh, it was, it was really awesome. I mean, I've always wanted... Um, an extra challenge. I love stepping up to the plate and trying to, you know, improve as I go along. And I think just being down there with the group of girls that are so like-minded, they're all determined, they all want to be the best they can. Um, even just being in that environment was great. One, I did break my ankle. Um, I still, I didn't, I didn't let it get me down. I sort of tried to just, I figured there was a lot of girls that, that would try, like, that would love to be in my position. So I sort of tried to take everything in, even though I was, on crutches on the sideline but I was still listening to everything that coaches had to say and still trying to absorb as much as I could to get the most out of it. I, I'm, in, I'm interested to know what did Craig Starsevich coach then of the Western Bulldogs say to you once the news had come through that obviously you, you've done a serious injury and, you, and you're not going to be playing in that game? Yeah so obviously Stars has been there um, and done this all before you know he played in the league so he knows what he's talking about. Um, he, he sort of just said you know that's that's footy for you you know highs and lows and this is one of the lows but he had all, all full faith in me that I'd bounce back from this which I have and I just sort of respected that I think you know he knows what he's talking about and it is footy things like this will happen but I think I just took it as you know this will happen but you need to sort of work hard to get back from that which I've been trying to do so I think it was you know it's quite um I'm not sure what the word is quite you know um blunt advice but it was also very good to take on board as well uh, for you, what was the recovery process like from that injury? When were you finally able to get back into training and preparing for season 2016? Yeah, okay, so I was in the boot for a little while. Um, I was in a cast and then moved into a boot, so obviously um, I was sort of not doing any um, running of that. I was still trying to do upper body work, um, and then once I got the boot off, I just started getting into the physio as soon as I could. I was kind of keen because the boot is really annoying. <laughs> it gets quite hot and stinky and it's a bit gross, so I was really keen to get that off and start moving as much as I could. Um, my preseason was a little bit slower than what I would have liked this year just because of my ankle injury, but, um, yeah, I was doing all the rehab I could just to try and get it um, back to full range of motion as quickly as I could. And then, of course, you got selected to play for the Sydney Swans against the GWS Giants at the SCG. I guess two points in that. First of all, I believe you're a mad Swan supporter. Yeah, love the Swannies. <laughs> so, so what was it like to be able to pull on the red and white? Oh, it was actually, it was insane. I, mean, I got a photo shoot done a little while ago in the Swans jersey, and I was thinking to myself then like, how amazing it would be if I actually got to wear it for real. And then all of a sudden later on in the year, um, I was wearing it. It was just surreal feeling like you're wearing the swans colors you're a legitimate swans team it's just yeah it was awesome it was absolutely awesome and when we were coming on um back after half time the um the swans boys were out there kicking the footy around checking out the ground it was pretty cool just to think you know we're sharing the ground with them and it's very legitimate very exciting and, of course, I'm interested to know, that game was held uh, fairly early, what we call in the season, about April, uh, like uh, many of the exhibition games. Unlike, I guess, in the past with rep games, normally had, like, June, July, so you've got, like, half a season of form. How tough is it to come into such a high-intensity game so early in the year when you don't have that, you know, that half-season run up into it? Yeah, I mean, it, it is quite tough. Um, luckily, we've had a few... Like, we've got academy trainings happening now, so that sort of gets us quite focused... Um, as a, it's a bit more of a step up as opposed to our club training. So I think that helped a lot, um, the introduction of the academies, because it's um, run, you know, quite seriously. It's just it's the same as when I was with the Bulldogs. The girls are more motivated and they're all looking um, to train together. So you sort of ed, um, edge each other through. Edge each other through, sorry. Um, it's, a bit, it's a bit more difficult, but I think um, if you get in the right mindset early on and prepare yourself well, um, it can be easier to get into it. 
What was it like training with um, the, the final New South Wales ACT squad as you prepared to take on South Australia? Because in many ways, at least most of that side could be forming the nucleus of what will be the GWS side next year. Yeah, so it was quite good. Uh, because we're New South Wales and ACT, we obviously don't get to train together much. So we were doing our own trainings um, in Matraville in Sydney and also the Canberra guys were doing theirs. But we had a camp um, a couple of weeks before the um, South Australia game. So that was really good. We tried to use our time as well as we could um, just to gel and to get to know how Reynolds plays just as much because we obviously um, can't train together you know, week in, week out. But I think the camp was really um, was really good for us because we had just had the opportunity to get to know each other a bit more. And for you, what was it like being able to travel to interstate to Adelaide and take on the South Australians and, and you know showcase your talent? Oh, it was it was absolutely amazing. I mean, uh, one of the, our coaches were talking to us um, before we started and said, you know, just sort of take it all in, win or lose. We're playing on Adelaide Oval, which is one of the best decks in the country, so that was quite exciting in itself. Um, but yeah, I I do like that aspect of footy. How you do get a chance to you know travel the country and check out all the different decks, and it was a bit of a stinger to lose by only two points to South Australia. But I think you know the girls. Um, my girls should hold their heads high. You know, I think we, we trained, we played really well and just a couple of straighter kicks, it would have been a different outcome. But, yeah, I think we did quite well. And as I alluded to earlier, we're, we're, quite a number of the girls will end up playing for GWS. What, what was the immediate feedback from coaches after the game? What, as a group, do they want to see you improve on over the next, what is it, six to seven months until February comes around and, and when we start the national competition? Yeah, so when we finished the game um, later that afternoon, we had a sort of a team meeting and we looked at the stats and, you know, Schmitty, our coach, um, Tim Schmidt, he sort of said, you know, our stats are really good and stuff, but it's, he said, you know, it comes down to hard work and we've got a bit to work on and as long as you guys are willing to, you know, do this full-heartedly, so am I. So he sort of said... Um, if we're if we're preparing for the league next year, we really need to put our head down, bum up, and sort of get into it. Um, which we responded really well to. I think everyone um, is thinking in the same way that we need to, you know, get ready for the league because we've obviously never had anything like this before. So I think we're all quite excited, which helps us. Um, you know, do better at training and stuff like that. Now let's go across the Nullarbor to Perth and Ebony Rose Antonio won the priority signings with the Fremantle Dockers. Some also know her as a WNBL basketballer. So the question we asked Ebony Rose straight away was, how did you make this switch? Why did you make this switch from basketball to Aussie rules? Um, also, I just wanted um, to experience something else. Um, I've always looked at playing football and Martine, my um, coach down here at Coastal Titan, she's, I've known her since basketball and she's been on my case um, about coming down and enjoying playing footy and I thought, oh, why not give it a go? And, you know, with new sport, you make a new group of friends. So I thought, yeah, might as well go down and join in. And uh, when you first joined the Coastal Titans, how long did it take for you to, uh, not only, for some people the skills come naturally, but just, just to get into that different mindset of the st- style and structure of play? Yeah, obviously, um, I used to play football um, when I was a little little fella. But, um, yeah, obviously, going down and just getting in touch with the football again um, and working on my skills, it took a bit of time to get used to it again. But eventually, I got my feel back for the game and it just gone, gone from there. And considering it's your first year of playing senior women's football, who encouraged you to put your hand up to get, uh, in the end, drafted to play in the Demons versus Bulldogs match? Um... After a few training sessions um, down at Coastal Titans, um, majority of the girls came up to me and my team came up to me and they were just like, you're going to put your name down for the draft. And at first I didn't know much about it and I obviously asked them what it was all about and how, go, how you go about it. And um, anyway, they ended up talking me into it. So yeah, I was like, all right, put my hand up for it and yeah, just nominated myself. And just as we go to touch on the state match, how did you find it in comparison? It was obviously an eight-point margin between the Demons and the Bulldogs and the MCG, only four points the margin of WA versus Victoria. Which game did you for, uh, feel more intense and more taxing on yourself? Um, I think both games I thought uh, was both intense. Um, obviously, going to the MCG and playing on the MCG is an experience in itself, and that was very nerve-wracking for myself considering it was my first, you know, my first senior year playing football um 
and I consider myself very lucky to be drafted just after a few games, you know, going into a big game like that and playing on the MCG. But down last weekend, um, yeah, it was just another experience in itself. Um, obviously, there were 30 draft girls out on that field and to represent your state is just an unbelievable theory, uh, feeling and it's just an honour. And how would you describe the whole experience of being what I believe was a 10-week camp for the uh, WA girls? Uh, yeah, it was um, unbelievable. Every girl that down down there put their hand up to be picked, you know, and selected, and it made Michelle's job very hard to, like, you know, make the final selections. And it wasn't until a week out that she finally announced the team. So every girl that was down there was very competitive for spots. And then finally, match day came around. Uh, what did Michelle say to the girls beforehand? Was it uh, very much straight down the line talking about structures and positioning, or was there a little bit of uh, you know searching deep into the emotional well of this is our chance to knock off the big V for the very first time? Yeah, obviously we talk about structures and our game plan and stuff like that. But yes, there was said about you know with there been 17 years without WA beating Victoria, obviously. We went into depth and in how emotional it is for us um, to play against Vicks that haven't lost to us. So obviously that just she gave us a little bit of a pump up and got us firing before we walked out. Now, was the plan originally for you to take Katie Brennan with a centre half back versus centre half forward battle, or was it just a switch made in the second quarter? Because that's when we saw you come into the game. Um, no, yeah, from um, from team selection, I was told then from. I was going to be matched up on Katie Brennan. Um, so, yeah, from from day one, I knew I was going to be playing on her. So, so once you knew that, um, what's going through your head? Are you actually even sitting down and, I guess, looking back at the vision of the Melbourne Bulldogs game, trying to plot out, or is it just a case of you take it as it come on game day? Um, obviously, once I found out, um, I went back and had a little bit of a look of her game. Um, I obviously got to match up on her a couple of times throughout the draft game as well, so that was um, lucky enough that I knew, you know, how to play on her and what she what like what she likes to do. Um, but obviously, watch some game tape as well just to get more of an insight of her game. So I was really had a good understanding of her game structure. And, of course, there were plenty uh, helping you out there on the ground to uh, ensure that victory. Um, Kiara Bauer, sensational with two goals. Uh, Jess Wuchner as well up forward with two goals. And great to see um, Tia Haynes, who's had that journey of coming back from the ACL and MCL to be able to play in that state game. Yeah, no, I think um, Bauer's, for me, was definitely best on ground. I thought she did a tremendous job. You know, she's a very hard worker, and I think that she goes under the radar a lot. Um, also, with Wusha kicking two goals there and Randa, uh, Randa also adding to the scoreboard as well as Phillips and Sabs. Um, yeah, and for um, Tia to come back, you know, from an ACL and MCL, she's just, you know, really dedicated herself to the sport and with her re- rehab, and I think she's done a tremendous, tremendous job to get back to where she is today. What was said amongst the group at three-quarter time? You were uh, one goal up at that stage on the Vicks, so you know, you're, on, you're on the cusp of history. What was said, I guess, to try and keep a focus and keep calm and make sure that the, the nerves didn't get the better of you? Yeah, obviously, um, we knew going into the fourth quarter we were a goal up. Um, Michelle just said, keep doing what we're doing. Our game, our game plan and game structure was really working for us, and if we just kept at it, we'd roll over the finish line with the win. And um, uh, going into that uh, final quarter, at one stage you actually found yourself down by two points with a few minutes to play. Was uh, What was the feeling out there on the ground? Was Cara out there yelling instructions? What was being said, being done to, to, to regain control of the match? Um, yeah, there was a lot of constructive talk. Obviously, um, everyone was talking and had each other's back and, you know, the momentum of the game changes when people are talking and stuff and I thought the talk on the field amongst the whole field was just um, sensational. Do you remember the moment when the siren sounded? Um, yeah, I did. I was actually running towards the ball to make sure it wouldn't come back in the fifty. and once it just went, it was, um, yeah, it was, I had goosebumps all over my body. It was um, a sensational feeling. 
and uh, we saw players jumping up and down all over the place. I can still remember the crowd roaring at the end uh, in front of our commentary position when the final siren went. Um, what was touched on afterwards? Obviously, you had the presentations on and everyone in, went into the rooms. Were you addressed by Michelle or anyone else to, to talk about what had happened, the, the historic moment that you'd achieved as a group of West Australians? Yeah, obviously, once the celebrations died down a bit, we went back into the change rooms and um, we were addressed by Michelle and she just obviously just spoke about how proud she was of, of us and how well we played and how well our game structure and game plan went to, you know, went to plan, I guess, and we rolled over and got the win and just touched on, you know, the emotional side of it how WA hasn't won in the last 17 years and to finally beat them is just, you know, we just made history so, you know, to take that on board and to understand where whereabouts um, WA 40 years now and we're a competitive um, team. Ebony Rose Antonio priority signing with the Fremantle Dockers. Now let's start heading back east but make a stop in Adelaide. The Crows have got Jenna McCormick, a Canberra United W League player but during the AFL women's season she'll be pulling on the Crows jumper. Yes, she's a cross-code athlete and when we first spoke with her she was based in Queensland playing some footy up there, played in the representative game uh, for the Brisbane Lions versus the Gold Coast Suns uh, before she headed off to play some more soccer in Iceland. And uh, first of all, as we raised the question with Jenna, wasn't she originally a South Australian? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm actually originally from Mount Gambia, which is a little country town um, five hours south of Adelaide. And um, yeah, did all my growing up there and um, that's pretty much where my love of footy began. Uh, you know, in the country down there in South Australia. So um, yeah, and as it as it turned out, I just moved up to Adelaide for the end of my end of my schooling, and then um, up into Brisbane just at the start of last year, and then worked my way into the Queensland Academy footy side. And yeah, for you, when did you first uh, put on the footy boots? Uh, did you end up taking part in Auskick all those years ago in Mount Gambia? Yeah, Auskick and. Um, you know, those kick-to-kick things and all that sort of stuff that I was pretty much involved in. But, I, um, yeah, mum didn't let me play any competitive footy with the boys down there because, you know, she she, she was concerned it was too rough and stuff. So I unfortunately missed out there. But, um, you know, it was soon enough that women's footy came into the came into the into the world really and developed as developed as a sport and got a little bit more recognition and stuff like that so I was able to sort of just slip into a female sort of side of it when I was about 15, 16 And when you finally did uh, start playing senior women's footy that did that first begin in the SAWFL? Yeah, yeah it first began there and um, I my club is Morfordville um, Footy Club and they sort of started out with like an under 18 sort of like nine aside thing you know back when back a couple of years ago now when the numbers weren't so great and I just sort of got to have a run around there and then yeah basically I just moved up moved up then here to Brizzy um and started playing with Cooperoo. I guess that begs the question. You've been a bit lucky, haven't you, to, to land into two great football clubs that have had a lot of premiership success, Morfordville Park in South Australia and obviously Cooperoo up in Queensland. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been pretty good in the support you get um, as a whole from the club and stuff, you know, basically sets you up for success and, you know, allows you to have fun and do your best and stuff like that. So, yeah, two very good footy clubs and very well respected as well. So, yeah, it's just good to be a part of them. Now, you kicked three in the game against the Gabba. Were you always a natural forward? I don't really know if I was a natural forward or not, but I do love getting forward and sort of have that sort of sniff for goal. So, um, I guess that I could work with that, um, you know, to my advantage in a way. But I've also always sort of liked to find myself in the middle of the park, sort of, on the ball and in and amongst it all. But, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed having a run up front and sort of putting away a couple of goals. And, yeah, no, that was a really good experience. Now, it said, obviously, that you moved up to Queensland to play at Corp uh, What year did you first begin playing in the uh, Queensland Women's League? Yeah, last year, 2015, was my first year here. Um, and it was basically my first year back at footy as well because 
I had a couple of years off in South Australia just because it didn't sort of line up. It didn't line up with my um, soccer commitments and that's always kind of taken a priority given that there is um, pathways already existing for soccer and a little bit more opportunity and stuff like that. So, yeah, soccer's kind of always been that sort of number one priority for me and but then I moved up here and sort of things started working out and I got the opportunity to join up with Cooperu and then just play a couple of games and yeah getting back into it and it's just I've just all been loving being back into the sport and yeah just running around and having fun and having a kick with all the girls and stuff like that. I guess that's the one thing that we need to ask. Obviously, Brianna Davey in Melbourne is facing the same challenge, even on the cricket side. Emma Carney playing WBBL over summer and then having to play footy during winter. How do you try and balance that commitment of uh, playing one sport during summer, but also having to, I guess, do a little bit of pre-season training and be ready for football during the winter? Yeah, I guess you could say that it's a little bit challenging just because the two sports are quite different different physically you know demanding and you know you're using all these different muscles and different mindset as well is is the big thing but um I think as long as you enjoy both of them it's pretty easy to transition I mean you can use the fitness gain from footy and um and the experience gain there and throw that into your soccer and leading into the W League and the main thing really is just changing your mindset and getting back to the soccer mindset and you know thinking about all those different things that you need to think about whereas you know in footy you may not be thinking about those things so it's I guess I would probably like to say that it's fairly manageable just to switch the two codes. Um, yeah, there's also given a love there for both the sports, so there's the desire to want to play sort of both both sports. And I think that yeah, when it comes around to pre-season for soccer and the end of the end of the footy season, you may have to miss out on a couple of games. And last year I had to, I got, unfortunately got to miss out on the final for the um, quaffle final here with Cooperu, but um. That was, you know, not sort of my choice. I had to make that sacrifice coming into the W League season. So there's a couple of sacrifices, but all in all, it's just grateful to be able to play both sports. Hey, talk about the sacrifices. Um, How difficult is it to obviously pick up and move life? Because we're not talking about the big Adelaide to Brisbane move, but you're spending um, summers in Canberra, winters in Brisbane. Yeah, look, it is challenging and um, there's, you know, always something that pops up that makes it difficult. But I think, you know, when you've got good people around you and good support network and stuff, that it just makes it so much easier. And moving down to Canberra for the summer was chilly at the start and then, you know, (laughs) hot at some points as well. But we just enjoyed, um, I just enjoyed the club and, um, yeah, they, they do support you 100% down there and make sure you've got everything you need and stuff. So they do make it really, really easy for you. And it's just the opportunity that you've, you've been given and moving into state really at the grand scheme of things isn't that big of a deal when you've still got your family that you can call and you've still got, you know, your friends you can, you can ring and have a chat to and stuff. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's only a short period of time and you're there for a job and you're there to do, to do what you do best. And I think that... Once, once that opportunity has been given to you, you really just have to take it and go with the flow sort of thing. Uh, when were you first invited to the Queensland Women's Academy? Um, that was just Craig Starchevich, the coach, um, just contacted me after my first game with the footy club, just in you know, a normal round game. Um, I think he saw a bit of potential there and or a bit of skill or, you know, talent there and contacted me and said, would you have to be a part of it, come out to a couple of trainings and stuff like that and we'll sort of get you going. And then, um, yeah, I was got to travel to Sydney with the, with the Open team and um, play in sort of our open women's friendly game against um, the Sydney and the New, uh, the New South Wales and the ACT side and that was that was a good experience to sort of step up to another level and a little bit challenging and hard to work your way into but I think that you know the step up and the quality of footy around in this country is just it's just crazy and you know if this league next year goes ahead it's going to be it's going to be really good because there's so much talent around and it's definitely going to catch the eye of fans of footy for sure. As they always say, we're our own worst critic, but um, if, you, if you were to have a look at your own game, uh, what would you think that you would like to improve on heading into the National League next year? Um, 
just because I don't get enough time really to put into footy and to practice on improving and stuff like that, I probably honestly just want to develop wholeheartedly. I, you know, I've got natural good sort of kicking and handballing skills and stuff like that, but my mental game and sort of the the thinking of the strategies and that sort of side of things I've never really had to think about because I've always kind of just played for fun and played, you know, because I've gone out there and I've just been able to run around and just enjoy myself. So I think that my mental side and, um, as I said, thinking about the strategies and the, um, you know, the tactical side of things, I'd probably like to develop that side of myself on just, yeah, given that I've always sort of had to put my time into soccer and thinking thinking about that in that way and just footy's always been my great escape and get out onto the park and just sort of run around and have fun but yeah when this national league sort of comes in you're going to have to really take it take it as a full-time you know sort of job for that period of time and really just that's probably what I'll, I'm going to need to work on and but there's obviously you know going to be great coaches and great support stuff around that's going to be able to provide me with that help and I think yeah once I've got that down pat I'll be pretty happy with all areas of my game. That's Jenna McCormick one of the draftees for the Adelaide Crows now a rookie selection at Carlton that well the mind just boggles consider this what a couple of years ago she's playing basketball with West Adelaide in South Australia then she ends up in London doing the working visa thing someone says oh why don't you give Aussie rules a go and she does very well for the Wimbledon Hawks in the AFL London Women's Competition. And lo and behold, just a few months later, she is headed back to Australia, to Melbourne, as a rookie for the Carlton Blues. An extraordinary story. Her name is Kate Shearlaw. And one way that she caught the attention of everyone, may I say, is because she released a little video package of showing what she could do, and it certainly caught the eyes of those from Carlton. So let's explain your story, Kate, back from the start. You originally started off as a basketballer in South Australia. Yeah, I um, started playing basketball um, from, from quite a young age, 16. I was Before that, I was doing a bit of athletics, um, but switched over to basketball and... Um, playing for the Bearcats from yeah 16 to when I moved over to London in about August. Um, got to London and started playing social basketball. Met my one of my good friends now, Lisa, uh, and she got me over to footy. So I've been playing there since the start of this year and just loving it. Now, of course, before you played footy this year, was there a temptation at all to play footy a, a few years ago back in Adelaide? And, of course, we're talking about an era before this National League was even announced, and originally, first, it was meant to be in 2020. Yeah, uh, I've always loved footy. I'm obsessed with it. Um, my family and friends would all tell you. I watch it religiously. Um, I play out the back. I'll kick with family and friends all the time. I'm absolutely obsessed, but never really considered it as a... I guess as a sporting option, uh, and I had always had the basketball, so I just stuck with that. And uh, since since moving over here, and then the I, I guess the expansion of the new league, and it's just so, such an exciting time in the sport. Um, it's just really like giving me something to strive for, I guess. And what first led you over to London? Oh, I just wanted to travel Europe as much as possible, and yeah, change something up in my life and get a life experience under my belt. And, of course, you, you said you, you met Lisa Wilson, who got you along to the Wimbledon Hawks. What do you remember about that first conversation about you being egged along to come along, pick up a footy and give Aussie rules a try? Yeah, she um, she saw me at basketball. Obviously, I'm quite quite tall for a girl, and she just she got really quite excited about that. And she knew I was Aussie, so she um, yeah, just tried to, tried to poach me, I guess. And she... she um, Played along with the fact that it's a social social thing and meet meet a lot of new people. What you know, I'm obviously new to the country and yeah, so she knew it. She knew from early on I was obsessed with the sport, just that I hadn't really played it and um, yeah, just went with that. We don't get to ask this question very often because many footballers we speak to have been playing for a number of years. But for you, it'd be fresh in your mind making this your debut season. What do you recall about playing your first game? Oh, my first game was in. We had a pre-season tournament in Belfast, uh, and we were all we were wearing silly costumes because that was it was a um, pre-season tournament. We were going over the team bonding aspect as well, and I was so I was just so excited, so excited to you know take a few marks and get my hands on the ball. And but I was also a little bit apprehensive about the physicality of the game on how I would how I would you know cope with all of that. 
Um, and that's, that's it kind of, yeah, realised that it's actually not, it's not that bad and I enjoy it, enjoy the physicality and getting in the contest and, yeah, I loved it. And how's it been for the Wimbledon Hawks this year? Before we talk about your premiership, and uh, we need to focus on the competition. A, a couple of years ago, it was just like uh, a social game between women. And then they formed the league last year, which Wimbledon made to the grand final, but ended up being runners-up. This year, there was a big step forward, wasn't it, for the league, particularly um, early on where all four teams in the competition managed to get 18 aside, which is rare for an overseas Aussie rules competition. Yeah, been amazing the transformation actually and I'm so pleasantly surprised with how strong strong it is over here um, and how much people yeah, get into it but we've really had the numbers have been so good that we've had to actually tell girls that they can't actually play and we've had to sit people out um, and we're not the only club most clubs have had the same issues so uh, that's only a positive for the sport over here and um, it's only going to get better bigger and better each year now, you talked about the video you put together. Whose idea was that? To um, and, and it's quite rare, um, I guess, on the female side of things. It's not uncommon uh, in men's football, particularly with TAC Cup boys coming through because there's a lot of vision available of them playing football, but not so much on the female side of things. So uh, and I think you might be one of only a very few that have actually put together a videotape of, um, or I say videotape, a YouTube vision of you um, uh, playing football and trying to show off your skills. Whose idea was was to put all that together? Well, we had feedback uh, through the club just looking for looking for some footage because it's very obviously very hard. I'm over here and no one's seen me play, no one knows me at all. So um, just, try to, just try to get my name out there as much as possible. And they just thought the only way without me flying over there, um, you know, I suppose putting myself out there over in Australia, the, the only way was to get some footage. And it's, a, it's, it's challenging because it's, it's very difficult off one game to, to try and you know put your best foot forward. But, I mean, that was that's what the club's done and I really appreciate all the work that's been put in and it's been, yeah, they've been really good. And for yourself, playing within the AFL uh, London Women's Competition, do you find uh, any players along your type of skill level, do you think there may be, and particularly any that are British-born, for example, that it, that could be of standard to be drafted? Yeah, the, the skills and the, the ability of the girls over here, it has surprised me. The depth, the depth I suppose, isn't, isn't amazing, but I think it's going to only get better and better. And the, the British girls especially, the kicking, I think the kicking is the biggest challenge. For them it's just not a natural thing, but their, their body work and their, you know, their running and stuff is all, is all very high level. Um, but I think, I think it's, yeah, definitely, definitely moving in the right direction and, and it's worth, yeah, worth investing some, some um, resources, I guess, in finding some girls over here. That's Kate Sheelaw from the Carlton Blues. Now, for our next interview, Melbourne marquee player Melissa Hickey, and I feel a bit guilty on this one because this particular interview, which I've edited down just to a shortened little version, I was speaking to her hours before she was jumping on a plane to head to Subiaco. She'd just been announced as Victorian captain and she was going to lead the Vicks against WA at Subiaco in the 2015 state match, which was just a couple of weeks after the MCG exhibition game. And up to this very point, Victoria had never been beaten at interstate level. No other state had come close to beating the Vicks. And then, literally, just a couple of days later, with yours there calling the game on Girls Play Footy Radio, it happened. WA beat Victoria. Yep, blame it on me. I put the mozzer on. But here's our interview with Melissa. And uh, naturally, she's just very excited and blown away when she was announced as Victorian captain. And, of course, we asked her about a few other things about leadership and uh, being under Coach Graham Berg. Yeah, thank you very much. It sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? <laughs> captain of Victoria. So, um, yeah, we're, we're all very excited to to get up against um, WA. And, and normally yourself, you take on a leadership role as being a centre halfback. You're responsible essentially for looking after the defence. But today as you come into the game, now being selected as captain for the first time, are you looking at things a little differently? Um, I think, I guess I've always been a big believer in that people don't necessarily need to have a, a title to be a leader. And um, I've always been someone that I feel quite good with my talk across the ground and really encouraging people. So... Um, I guess in that aspect, I'm, I'm not looking to, to change too much. Um, 
I'm, I guess, a, also a believer in sort of playing and, and being that example that you want people to do, so putting your, your sort of body on the line and, and giving everything in every contest. So um, I guess, yeah, I, I hope just to continue to do that and, and maybe get around girls a bit more than, than I normally would. I'm a little bit of a shy character, so it's, it's something that's a good challenge for me to get out of my comfort zone and, and get around people a bit more than, than maybe usual. But, yeah, it's just it's, it's such a great honour to be able to And, of course, playing on the MCG, you got to see the WA girls in action, not only playing alongside you for Melbourne, but also your opponents at the Bulldogs. Who do you think are going to be the key players you essentially have to stop to ensure that you win the game? Well, I mean, obviously, in the, all the exhibition games, you've, you've seen players like Chelsea Randall, Step Up, um, Emma... I'm going to get her... Swanson. Name wrong, but Swanee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what we call it. She, she had a fantastic game as well. Um, and, and then... Kiara Bowers always plays really good through the middle. Obviously, Juddy, um, Courage and Ellen, the captain of their side and uh, and just a fantastic footballer. Um, there's just so many. So um, they're obviously the usual suspects that, that we'll be, be focusing on and, and worrying about, um, yeah, kind of keeping them to, to as few kicks as possible. And how's it been being under a different coach as well, a TAC Cup coach instead of your usual uh, women's league coaches? Yeah, it's, it's been really refreshing, I must say. Um, he's got, obviously got a very different style to to our um, video NFL coaches and even quite different to um, Michelle Cowan. At, at, um, he really he really challenges us to to take women's football to the next level and, and to play a different brand of football that, that he knows that we can we can play. And, um, it's, yeah, it's been really refreshing and, and I think he's, he's a fantastic coach and I've learnt so much even just in the, in the short time we've all spent together so yeah really thrilled to have him there we are Melissa Hickey uh, Melbourne marquee player and again apologies to Melissa and the Victorian girls for putting the moz on and uh, doing that interview about you've never been beaten and then they got beaten ouch and just to rub salt into the wounds here's a player that played for WA in that game now Brisbane Lions marquee player Sabrina Frederick Traub this interview was literally done a couple of days after that historic victory and of course as we first spoke to Sabrina we, we mentioned uh, as seen in an article she describes herself as an English-born Jamaican girl. So how did she become such an Aussie rules superstar and, in fact, even captain an Australian Aussie rules side? Let Sabrina explain. Yeah, um, definitely an English-born um, with a J- Jamaican background from my dad's side. And, yeah, playing an Australian game is very interesting. Uh, for you personally, um, when did you first come out to Australia and then pick up the game of Aussie rules footy? Um, well, I moved over when I was six. Um, moved over to Australia and um, I started playing footy in my first couple of years of schooling in primary school, so that was year one. Um, playing with the, my friends, my boys, out in the uh, recess and lunch at the playground, just kicking the ball, trying to fit in with the crowd, trying to get, well, trying to fit in basically, <laughs> trying to not get bullied and um, just get used to how Australians kind of work. So that's how I got into footy. And for you, you took it up, uh, well, naturally, because you ended up uh, going for a couple of youth girls' carnivals. Are you even surprised yourself at your rapid development? Yeah, I mean, um, I played soccer and look, when I lived in England and um, when I moved over here and I've always had that kind of um, quick learning style. So when I moved over here and played footy, it was... It was kind of, it came quite easily, like the two sports kind of overlap in some areas, so it was easier for me to pick up. And um, yeah, when I first started playing UCLs, um, it was just, I don't know, it was kind of easy for me. Not easy, but kind of, it was second nature because I've already been playing soccer and like the learning, te- the learning styles are quite similar. So, yeah, I would say that's why I've managed to pick up on it quite easily. And for you, a great honour in uh, 2013 at uh, captaining the Australian Youth Girls side that toured New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, it was the first time that uh, an Australian women's team had gone to another country and played the game. And I, I was honoured, uh, well, mainly because I was an Australian, for one, and two, just because it's the first time that um, we have shown our our game, Australian game, to another country. So it was great to to captain a, such an amazing group of girls over there and um, show 
the Kahu girls and New Zealand girls um, just how to play footy, and it was great. It was a great experience. And for you, it almost seems like familiar territory when you pull on the Melbourne jumper because I believe a couple of girls in those and that youth girls tour in 2013 included uh, Brittany Benici and Taylor Harris. Yeah, uh, Britt and Taylor have been good friends of mine for a couple of years, and yeah, it'll be great to play alongside them. It's always great to play alongside them. They have amazing talent, and um, yeah, it'll just be an amazing experience to look back on. And yeah, I'm excited. Am I correct in saying that your youth, your youth girls footy was originally with uh, the Peel Thunderbirds, but you're now playing, obviously, senior women's level with South Fremantle? Yeah, I played for Peel Thunderbirds for about four years, and then I moved up up to South Fremantle because I um, go to uni in Fremantle, and I play soccer in Fremantle too, and it just became easier for me to have my life up there. And It was a big decision, but... Um, I don't regret it at all. The South Man of Girls are like a second family to me, so it, it was, it's great playing there. And how was the experience for you for the 10-week uh, training session the WA girls had together before that uh, momentous occasion back in June when you knocked off Victoria for the first time at senior women's level? Um, it was a lengthy 10 weeks, but it was, it was great. Um, pl- training with that amount of talent, it just brings out the best in you. Um, it's just another level than training in, at club level. It's just that step up and the the shine on the technique is just it's nothing you compare it to. And um, playing with some of the best, like training with some of the best in the country, like Cara Dinellon and um, Kirby Bentley, it, it's an amazing experience. And I'm so glad that we managed to take home a win after training for that long and putting in that amount of effort. That is Sabrina frederick Traub, Brisbane Lions Marquee. Our final interview is a very special one. It's an exclusive one that we had here at girlsplayfooty.com and when we broke the news, everyone was just all smiles of what a great feel-good story it was. I mean, let me put it to you. Two-time Helen Lambert medalist from a Melbourne ruck woman, represented Victoria, All-Australian, legend at the Eastern Devils Football Club. In fact, they had a week to farewell her when she retired. It was Watto Week. In fact, there were Watto Week t-shirts. I think people want refunds on their Watto Week t-shirts. No, 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 you can you can do it again when she retires the second time around. Her name is Lou Watton. She retired a couple of years ago to take up triathlon, thinking that was all there was to do in footy. But she got the itchy feet after watching that Witten Oval TV game and said, I want to be part of AFLW 2017. She nominated for the draft, and bizarrely, out of 145 picks, not one club picked her up initially in the draft. I mean, seriously, if you're a recruiter out there and you didn't have Lou Watton's name down on your piece of paper, well, quite frankly, you should resign and be serving fries at McDonald's. You don't deserve to be in women's football. Lou Watton is one of the greats. And she is in top nick. And luckily, Collingwood saw that and picked her up as a free agent. Talk about great backup insurance for Emma King. Hey, caramba. Talk about a person to spar with at training. Lou Watton joined us on the line. And, of course, we asked Lou, what was going through her mind a couple of years ago when she initially retired? Um, I, I just really wanted to give um, triathlon a go. Um, I was, in the last couple of years of footy, trying to do both um and with the rigors of triathlon training it's a fair fair bit of um training um up to you know 25 hours a week and trying to play footy on top of that my body wasn't coping so I guess my last season of footy um I had a couple of injury niggles and um I just thought you know it was time to give another sport a go and um, I was able to feel, fulfil a couple of my goals in triathlon in competing in um, a couple of Ironman events. And, of course, over the last two years, you were doing those Ironman events. Just just to give an example, um, as you said, 25 hours per week training. How different do you have to prepare your body for Ironman versus footy? Am I guessing you've got to keep a more leaner shape for Ironman and look more at bulking up muscle for when you play football? Yeah, like ideally the um, the Ironman training is a lot of volume. Um, I mean, 25 hours is probably my peak week. Um, it was anything from 15 to 25, but, you know, long hours out on the road, on the bike, you know, some sessions up to six hours on the bike out there um, in the peak period. 
um, a lot of early mornings. But, um, yeah, it differs a lot. Like you want to try and lose lose a few kilos so um, you're lighter. Um, being an endurance event, any extra weight you're carrying just adds time time on and you've got to actually carry that weight. So, yeah, the training's very different. Um, but I think now that I've pushed my body to the absolute limit, um, I'm hoping if I get picked up by an AFL team that I now know that there's that extra level that I can push to. Now, the one thing that we're interested to know about is, as you said, on that game uh, when the AFL exhibition match occurred, that's when you finally decided to throw your hat in the ring. How long had that process been going through your mind? Because uh, chatting to Eastern Devils president and your sister, Joe Watton, she said, oh, geez, I don't know, um, she lose 50-50. And it seemed like, you know, a few weeks out from the draft that you were half considering it. I think when it all all came about, I kind of jokingly said to a few people, oh, maybe I should pull the boots back on. Um, and it was a joke. Um, you know, in my mind, I thought, oh, it would be a nice fairy tale to come back and um, that kind of thing. Um, but at that time, I think I was two weeks out from my second Ironman. Um, so, you know, all my focus was on that race. Um, and then kind of as the weeks went on I then watched the Olympics and um, I was watching a couple of the team sports on telly and um, I think the one that I really watched was when the, the women's um, I think it was the English um, hockey team won their final on penalty shots and just the joy that the team had and the celebrations they were doing together I, I really thought oh wow I really do miss that team environment um, at times, triathlon can be a really lonely sport. Um, I mean, you do have other, uh, you know, members of your club that you can train with, but really sometimes out on race day, you do feel a bit lonely because it's just, just you, your bike, and um, off you go. Um, so I think last week I was away by myself, uh, as I said, a night before the race and um, without any teammates around me, and then... Yeah, just watching that match, I was like, um, I really think I just need to put my hat in the ring. And that passion just basically ignited in me um, as I was watching that match. Who were the first people you told that you were throwing your hat in the ring and what was their reaction? <laughs> uh, well, I got up very early the next morning for my race about 4am, so I thought I wouldn't, I wouldn't send out any text messages too early, but... Uh, at 7am, I, um, I took a photo of the draft nomination form. I hadn't filled it in at that stage and, and sent it to my sister. So she was the first one. I said, oh, I think I'm going to do this, just throw my hat in the ring. So she was the first one. And then I told a couple of people um, of my triathlon friends that I, that's what I thought I was going to do. Was there an instant call from uh, Eastern Devils coach Brendan Major going, well, you know, if you're throwing your hat in the ring for the national season... Yeah, well, I um, I actually, a few days later, I actually told Hutchie and within about 10 seconds, Major messaged me. So word got through pretty quick between those two. Um, but no, he hasn't pressured me into anything at this stage, but I have been for a couple of kicks just to make sure I can still um, kick and mark the footy. And actually on that, I think I've, uh, I've seen a photo on Twitter um, at the Oakley Chargers Football Club on a Saturday morning, uh, yourself, and Kendra Hile is actually uh, re- doing her rehab at the moment. Um, how, how's it felt for the first kick of the footy with the ball back in your hands? Yeah, well, actually, um, I've been for three kicks already this week. Um, the first kick, uh, yeah, it was fine. The next morning I woke up and I had a big bruise on the top of my foot because I wasn't used to kicking the footy and um, my hamstring was extremely tight. Um, just because I hadn't done the movement in so long. But it does feel really good to get out there and um, have another kick of the footy again. I guess the one key question as well is, um, as much as all the focus has been on uh, Emma King being the the number one ruck woman at the moment in the country, uh, when you come back, there'll be some familiar names. Uh, First of all, Tiana Ernst, who uh, essentially took over your role at Melbourne uh, uh, last year in the exhibition game. Um, And a couple of veterans due back, Astor O'Connor herself due back from injury. And from what we gather, Lauren Spark is returning from London and throwing her hand up in the draft as well. How do you feel coming up against all these old veterans that you've clashed with for many years? I think it's great that um, these old names are are pulling the boots back on and getting out there. I think 
for a little bit, we'll, uh, you know, a little bit thin in the ruck area. So, um, so it's good that they're, they're coming back. Um, and it's exciting to see the new talent, as you mentioned, Emma King, seeing her and, um, Pierce the other night go head to head. That was a really exciting duel. So, um, I, the only word I've got for it is exciting. Yeah. Um, I think I might have to establish myself, um, in another way, my early career, I played down back, so um, I'd like to develop, you know, another area of my game as well. Um, so if I was to be picked up, that I'd be a little bit more versatile as well. And that concludes our best of edition for the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. There might be a couple of more of these specials uh, coming up in the next couple of months as uh, we try and kill some time during the off-season until things really get underway in Feb 2017. And we hope to bring you more interviews with the players that are playing in the AFLW competition. Uh, As far as we understand it, uh, the media will have to apply for uh, AFL media accreditation. And, of course, uh, we'll be going through that process, and hopefully that will be granted so we can continue what we've been doing before this competition has even started. And uh, that is bringing you all the interviews with the players and coaches and staffs and legends of women's football as we try and find a little inside their mind about what's happening at training, what's happening out on the ground on match day, and of course how they're juggling their lives between being part-time footballers with full-time students, uh, mothers, workers, whatever it might be that they're also doing as well as they are now semi-professional athletes. I'm Peter Holden. It's been a privilege having your company, and until next time, bye for now.